Aren't we grateful for a Jesus, a Savior, who is gentle and lowly, as we looked in the scriptures last week, but he also does not stand idly by and let injustice go on indefinitely. He intervenes. He steps in. He does roar in the face of evil, and evil flees. Darkness flees. And his kingdom is advancing. It's taking ground for the gospel. We see evidence of that right here in front of us. And I'm so grateful for that, friends. Um, for those of you joining us the first time, I hope you're blessed in your time of worship and fellowship. Uh, really, we don't, we don't brag on ourselves. We, we brag on Jesus. But um, I will brag on this team, uh, such an authentic, um, you know, genuine, loving group of people that love Jesus and love others. And they want to see the gospel go forward in this community and make a difference in people's lives. And, and at the end of the day, if that's all we got, I think that's a pretty good a pretty good church family, and I'm grateful so much for you all and the work that God's doing in you. As I said last week, we went to Matthew chapter 11, and we saw that Jesus is gentle and lowly. And, and if we were to say we're going through a series, a very informal series, because we know in the early days after launch, visitors come and go. They're, they're checking us out. They're saying, hey, do we want to invest here? But it is a series, you could say, and this is Jesus in his own words. We're taking snippets from the gospel to see Jesus, so you don't have to take my word for who Jesus is, listen to my opinions of, of what I think Jesus is. That's what a lot of people do today, because in 2022, apparently, we know more about Jesus than uh, the disciples that followed him, and you get a lot of counter-cultural uh, thinking going on. But, but Jesus is very easy to understand. <laughs> he, he doesn't complicate himself and make it hard for people to follow him. So in Luke chapter 5, in Luke chapter 5, you find a very ordinary kind of guy and his co-workers at work just doing what they do every single day. And Jesus meets them there and introduces himself and says, I've got a plan for your life. And, and the title you could say is, I will make you fishers of men. And we'll explain exactly what that means. But first, I want to read that passage with you and you read along with me if you don't have a copy of the bible and you like one we have extra copies back there take it that's our gift to you we want everyone to have a copy of god's word in their hands or if you have a device that's fine turn that on as well and i'll read the first 11 verses tell the whole story here and we'll see what jesus has to say to us this morning our lion and lamb now on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of god he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when, they had finished, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night. We took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. Their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they both began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. 
And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So here's an incredible story, a true story of a miracle. Jesus performed many miracles, but this one holds a a special place in my heart. As as I went through my Bible reading plan, some of us are on that Bible reading plan, and, and, and we're going through the book of Luke, and we go through about a chapter a day, and this stood out to me because, like I said, Simon is just like one of us. It's an ordinary guy working his job. You know, probably doesn't have a lot of time for church and and spiritual things. He's got a business to run. He's got a family to feed. Maybe he's got bills to pay and and creditors that are calling and collecting. And and he needs these fish. (laughs) This is his living. He's a fisherman. And they're on the Lake of Gennesaret, or more commonly referred to the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. This isn't a huge lake, not very large. It's 13 miles long. And eight miles wide, so uh, almost the shape of, a, of an arrowhead pointing downward. And, and, but it's teeming with fish, and this is one of the leading industries in the Galilee region, which is the hills and, and, the, and, the, and the fields surrounding this lake. Life comes from this lake. And the fishermen did what they were supposed to do, and they spent all night fishing, thinking... That's, that's when we're going to get some bites. Of course, they're not fishing with poles. They're fishing with nets. So maybe not bites, but, but you're going to get a school of fish in your nets if you go long enough and, and you work hard enough, right? They labored all night or toil. Man, we are, we are weary. Last week, we saw Jesus said, if you're weary and heavy laden, if you're burdened, if you're exhausted and worn out, come to me. Well, I don't, I don't think Peter heard this message yet. So Jesus came to him, knowing he's weary, knowing he's been laboring all night long and came up empty. They gave up. They're washing their nets. That's it. We're just not going to get anything. I don't know what I'm to tell my wife when I go home. We don't, we don't have fish for the kids, and, and we're day laborers, so it's not like we have a bunch of money laying around. We can go out and get something to eat. Have any of us ever faced a business frustration before? A job that you thought was the one, and it was going to work out. The interview process went so well. How could it not work out? Or that business partner told us all the things we wanted to hear, thought we could trust them, or, or maybe you wish you were working, but you can't. Yeah, because of a physical issue or uh, just because how things are right now in, in, in your industry. We've all been there. We've all had frustrations with business. And little kids, <laughs> looks like uh, just a couple little girls in here. One day, you'll understand. You don't got to worry about it right now. Mommy and Dad will take care of that. But one day, you'll understand. We, we've been frustrated. So how much would you love it if someone came up to you who's not even from the area, doesn't understand your industry because has never worked a day in that industry, and tells you what you should do? Anyone here like getting job advice from people that have no idea how to do your job? Yeah? No, no, no I, think, I think you should do that with that roof. You know? No, I think, I think you should do that with that patient. Uh, have, did you go to school for this? Or you know, have you had any experience 
That's insulting, isn't it? That's exactly what Jesus does. Jesus is not a fisherman, and he grew up in Nazareth, which in the geography of Israel, there's no water anywhere near there. It's on the side of a cliff. If anything, you know, maybe he, he understands herds and, and he understands working with his hands, but he doesn't understand fishing. And so here he is. He's, he's teaching from the boat. That's fine. He's, he's sharing the good news. He's teaching the word of God. This is what the people are hungry for. This is what they need. But if you're Simon Peter, you don't want to hear how to run your business. This is your boat. But, but this is Jesus. And Jesus is the Son of God, and he speaks with all authority, and he has all knowledge. So the moment he steps on that boat, there's no longer any question about who the captain of that boat is. It's Jesus. And he just says, hey, put this boat out in the deep and cast your net again. And if I was Peter, I'd be a little bit offended, might push back a little bit. I'm going home, and I'm going to take a nap. But there's just something about Jesus Peter's heard just enough about Jesus. He's heard just enough of the word of God taught with authority from this man. He says, okay, I'll bite. There's, maybe there's something to this. All right, we didn't get anything all night long, but master at your word, we will set out. Right? And I'm just retelling the story exactly how we read it. But think of that moment when you're coming up empty. And someone's giving you orders and you're not sure if you can trust them or he knows what he's talking about. But you put your nets in and that moment of realization when you feel the tug. The net is full. And you even experienced fishermen like Peter and Andrew, his brother. They're not pulling that net up. It is so full and teeming with fish. And the water is bubbling. It's boiling because there's so many fish flopping around. So they cry out to their friends, their partners in the industry. And they come over with their boat. And even between the two boats, they both start to sink. There's so many fish. Let this sink into your mind. What would it be like to see a boat full of fish? but not just because they happened to see a school of fish going by. Miraculous direction from the Lord of creation, directing the fish to attack that net, and it's full. And in that moment, something happens, not just in the net, but down deep in Peter's heart. He saw something in Jesus that changed his life. So the main point we see in this passage here this morning Jesus cares for the souls of men. We see this all throughout the passage. Jesus comes to Peter and he cares for his soul. But first we got to understand who Jesus is. First of all, Jesus is Lord of the deep. That should be pretty obvious from what just happened with this fish. But we all need reminding at times we are not Lord of our lives. Right? We think that we are. If I just line up these circumstances, my life would be more favorable. If we just lived here, or if we just did this with the house, if we just made this much money this year, we can live comfortably. But then what do you do when a hurricane comes? We all go crazy, lose our minds, buy all the water and toilet paper in the building. And it's funny, I just saw a notification. We, we did a Target order for the food for tonight, and, and the hot dog buns are out at Target. So we're going to figure out where to get hot dog buns. Why are all the people buying hot dog buns in advance of a hurricane? You got me. <laughs> but they're, they're 
Maybe they're doing exactly what we're doing. They're going to have a cookout at the beach. We will find hot dog buns for tonight, all right? We will figure it out, okay? Don't panic. But we don't have the power to save ourselves. We don't have the power to change our circumstances. If we work all night and come up with nothing, guess what we have after a night of hard work? Still nothing. I can't change my life. I can't change my circumstances, even with all my self-help and my self-improvement. Someone steps into Peter's life who speaks a better word and can keep every promise and has the power to change what's inside, what's in the net, what's in your boat. You don't have a boat. That's fine. Jesus will meet you where you're at. He is the Lord of your circumstances as well. And that's why Peter comes to him and calls him master and and Lord. He recognizes this is no ordinary man. This isn't just another good teacher or this isn't uh, like some people will say, well, he's a guy who's really close to God. Maybe he can help us find our way up that mountaintop, but, but he's not God. No, Peter recognizes this is the one who created the fish. <laughs> you know, I don't fully understand it, but, but I'm worshiping. I'm falling at his knees. I'm in fear of him because he controls things I don't understand. He understands the seasons. He controls the weather. He controls the sea. He controls what's even in the sea. And in that moment, Jesus met Peter and said, I'm going to make sure you have food on the table tonight for your family. I want to make sure you don't go home empty. What a gracious gift. Jesus cares that this fisherman went hungry. Now, do you think maybe God had something to do with why they didn't catch any fish all night long? Do you think that was an unusual thing? How many of us get a little bit upset or frustrated at God when circumstances don't go our way? This wasn't the plan, God. I'm going to start getting bitter now. You're going to start proving yourself to me. God allows those circumstances, even sovereignly brings them about so he can reveal his grace. If we have every single one of our needs met, what do we need God for? If we are self-sufficient, that's why Jesus says it is easier for a camel to go through than I have a needle than it is for a rich man to come to Jesus. What do you need Jesus for? He got everything. We need him. And circumstances that are less than favorable cause us to call out from the deepest uh, part of our soul, from our mind, from our anxiety. We call out because we can only look up. And that's when he reaches out and he shows us exactly who he is. I am the Lord over all of this. So you can say the net was really a metaphor for Peter's own heart. And when we say soul... I'm talking about the part of us that's immaterial, that's not this body. Because this body has an expiration date and will go in the ground, but our soul, that is what lives forever. Now, some say the soul and the spirit are different. I don't know, okay? It's in the Old Testament, the words flip-flop, they're used for soul, they're used for spirit. So let's just say we are clearly made up of material, we're also made up of immaterial. And we have a soul. And the soul will outlast this body. Who's the Lord of the souls? The coming and the going of the souls. That's the Lord. So Peter recognizes at least some of this truth. Some he'll find out later on. 
But he falls on his knees. He says, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Peter might not know all the Old Testament and all the promises of God looking forward to Jesus, but he knows this. Isaiah 6, 3 says God is holy, holy, holy. He is set apart from sin. He has nothing to do with sin. There is no darkness in him at all. And he judges sin. He judges wickedness. He is loving and gracious, but he also is just and he must punish sin. And Peter understands, I'm a sinful man. I've, I've sinned against God. I'm a rebel by nature. Jesus, you should have nothing to do with me. But Jesus did not come to judge Peter in that moment. He came to rescue him. So he didn't depart. He didn't turn and run the other way. Instead, he says, I want you to follow me. I want you with me. You'll find that in the other parallel passages uh, of this text. In, in Matthew and Mark, come, follow me. But I love that phrase that, that he gives here. Do not be afraid. We're all afraid. There's a lot to fear in this life and what's to come. There's a lot to fear if our sins are unforgiven before a holy God. If we think that we are judge and jury, that we are righteous on our own, or maybe we can do some good works to, to pat God on the back, and that's not how this works. You're either completely right and completely holy to get into heaven, or you are not. And that's why Jesus came, to show us the holiness of God, the perfection of God, who fulfilled all the Father's will, and then he gave his life on the cross, a holy living sacrifice. Then he died and he rose from the dead. He did that all on our behalf because we're flawed. My sacrifice wouldn't mean anything. My religious deeds, this worship service, none of this adds righteousness to us. It all comes through Jesus. So have you fallen at the feet of Jesus? Depart from me, God. I, I don't deserve you. But we hear his voice. I will forgive you if you come to me. Have you found forgiveness in Jesus? Do you realize that he came for you? Not just to do this miracle with fish. There's a deeper issue here. We need the Lord of the deep to mine the deepest part of our heart and cast our sin out of us and fill us with the love of his spirit. That's grace. That's a free gift. And he will save every single one of us who calls on his name. Peter is just the prototype He's the ordinary guy. He's not in church 24-7. You know, he probably wasn't even listening while Jesus was teaching, you know, cleaning his nets, working. But when the time was, when the moment came upon him, he responded with faith. So wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, I want to encourage you, come to Jesus. Turn from your sin, repent of your sin, leave your sin and cling to Jesus. He will cleanse you and make you new. If he can do that with fish, and you'll find out he does a whole lot more later in the gospel, what will he do with your life? Repent and believe. And then rest in that. So most of us in this room, I think, claim to be Christians. We have, we have given our hearts to Jesus. We are Christ followers. We want to follow him. We want to be like him. And we're never going to leave him because he's never going to leave us. He's got a hold of us. So I want to encourage us all, if we were saved by his grace, how are we going to grow? 
not through just doing a bunch of religious deeds. We're going to grow by his grace. Some of his gifts of grace, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of us so we can pray and talk and fellowship with him. And we work hard for him, for his glory, but we also need to rest for his glory. If Jesus is the Lord of all, he controls all circumstances. He controls our income. He controls the work that we do, where we live. He's brought about all these circumstances. Do we trust him to work and keep working so we can sleep at night? So we can take a day off. If there's no Lord in control of my life, I got to keep working. And we got to keep evangelizing 24-7. We can't rest. We can't stop. Hey, I have no more control over someone's soul than you do. But I know the Lord does. He's in control. So I sleep great at night. Now, sometimes, you know, there's some tears on the pillow. You know, there's burdens that we carry. I'm, I'm just like all of you. There's, there's no you know, like super spiritual aura around me. But most nights I sleep great because I know, hey, whatever that issue is, I have no control over it. I'm going to give that to Jesus. Sometimes I mentally have to do that for my mental health. All right, Jesus, I'm giving that to you. <laughs> and I'm going to focus on this. because I, I will literally send myself into a, a panic attack trying to control things I can't. So we rest in his grace. So team, rest in him. He's doing an awesome work in North Sarasota. And if he can use people like us, and just imagine what his sovereign control can do in the days ahead. But first, you got to trust that he's the Lord of the deep. Secondly, we must open our lives to receive his grace. You see Peter do that. He opens up his heart. He receives the free gift of grace that Jesus gives to him. When Jesus says, let down your nets, he lets down his nets. So then he has the opportunity to receive the fish. If he doesn't obey Jesus, does he get any fish in his net? No. Let down your nets. Open up your life to him. And since you and I, uh, I don't think, do we have any commercial fishermen in here? You know, any, uh, anyone in that, in that line of business? Okay. So I don't want to assume you don't know. Maybe you do know. But uh, most of us do not know what is the value of a boatload of fish. I thought this was interesting. Okay. They had two boats full of fish. I kind of want to know how much, you know, some, some coin that that's going to bring in. So there actually was some scholarly research done on this. In 2017, a paper came out by Hauser and Hauser. I don't know if it's a, a husband and wife or, or father-daughter. And, and they did research on uh, what were the, the average size of boats on the Sea of Galilee. And they're about 27 feet long, 9 feet across, 4 feet deep. Okay, but there were two of them, right? They filled two boats and they started to sink the boats. So then they did math based on the volume of the boats and the buoyancy and... And okay, what, what were, we, we assume Jesus didn't fill their boats with junk fish, okay? I think it's safe to say they were at least decent quality fish. So then that affects, okay, the size and, and the cost of the fish. So they calculated between two boats, get this, Jesus gift, gifted them 62,000 pounds of fish like that. 62,000 pounds. For an unskilled laborer, just your average fisherman, busting and grinding all year long, that's about 24 to 36 years pay. Talk about retiring early. (laughs) 
Jesus just gave them retirement. Because, I mean, most of the time they didn't live to 90 and 100 back then, okay? So, you know, maybe you make it to retirement years, but, you know, if, if uh, you know, Peter's 21, he would at least get, you know, well into his life if that's 30 years pay. He can retire. So he has a choice. I can go sit on the sandy beach of Galilee and just relax the rest of my days. But Jesus has given me an invitation. I just took care of all of your financial needs. I took care of your family. You got money in the bank, which is something that no unskilled laborer could talk about in those days. Will you follow me? Will you trust me to do more than this and meet every single one of your needs and what's beyond the grave, eternal life? He has a bigger plan than just fish. Matthew 4, 19, come and follow me. So do we take him up on that? Peter did and found he was worth it. Not for a trick and pony show, but for life. So whether you are a skilled laborer, a farmer, an office manager, you work in marketing, nursing, you're a realtor, Jesus has provided everything that we need up to this point. So there's a test in front of us. Do we trust him with today? And then tomorrow comes, will we empty ourselves of our plans and follow him tomorrow as well? If he's the Lord of the deep, he's the Lord of the future. Will we continue in that and believe that no matter what we run into, Jesus is the fullness of joy for us. He is our provision. He's our power. He's our strength. Just like the little boy in John 6. He has five little, probably round loaves of bread. And what is it, two fish? Two little like sardines? Just a little boy's lunch. And we make our boys lunch you know, five, days a, five days a week. I tell you, we love it when we don't have to make their lunch the next day. Right? Weekend, there's a lot to celebrate about that. Why don't you don't have to make their lunch? But you know, you got to fit it in the little compartments and make it just right. And it's not much, a little boy's lunch. And this little boy brings that to Jesus and he's got thousands of hungry people. And he says, that'll do. I can work with that. You give me that little bit that you have and watch what I can do. And he feeds thousands. What can he do with you? What burdens will he take from you? And what gifts will he give you if you simply humble yourself and follow him? This afternoon, we get to celebrate a baptism. Lord willing, I think it's our first baptism for Living Hope Church. It's my son, Titus. He doesn't understand all the Bible. He can't answer all the questions. What he does understand is Jesus calls me to get baptized, and, and he saved me, therefore. But he, did, he doesn't say therefore. I say therefore because I'm a preacher. Therefore, I go. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get baptized. And that simple childlike faith is all he's looking for. So the disciples left everything and followed him. What are we willing to give up for him? Is it our home? Is it our schedule? Is it our finances? Generosity. Because people have given, people in Puerto Rico can receive that and be blessed and, and hear the gospel. Generosity is something that God uses to advance the mission.
We love, we follow, and we leave behind the lesser things because he is Lord of all. And here's the third point. And this is one that is near to the heart of Jesus. Like we talked about last week. He's gentle, he's lowly, he's approachable, he loves people. So if we are followers of Jesus and we have given him everything, then we value what he values. So no longer is fishing for fish Peter's priority. It's fishing for what? Men. Think about that. Out of all that Jesus could be doing, Son of God, come to earth, could be like Thor, just running around, wrecking things, having a blast. No, he's come to reach the human soul. That is the most precious, valuable thing to God. Let that sink in. You are not a random fish. You are not just a number. You are a name and a person made in the image of God. And he loves you. He knows you. And he wants an intimate relationship with you. He won't be satisfied with anything less. It's all or nothing with Jesus. And he wants all of you because he loves all of you. In Matthew 10, 31, he's, he's talking about stress and fear and anxiety, which is exactly what he's talking about to, to Peter about here. We all have fears. We understand that. But he says this, don't be afraid because the father knows when even a sparrow falls out of a tree. He does care about birds. He does care about fish. He does care about the environment. Absolutely. But then he says this, do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I love my creation, but what's most valuable to me is you. Your soul, your heart, you are valuable in my sight. Try to think the kind of love that Jesus has for you, that he died on the cross. Most horrific way to die, the most painful way to die, but he was thinking about you and me. It was all for the Father's will. It was all for his glory. But what was he accomplishing? Offering a way for us to come into the family. What love and grace is that? And if that's not enough, <laughs> Jesus says, okay, come, come and help me. Make disciples. Help me catch fishers uh, or be fishers of men and catch lost souls. Think of this. God rejoices every time a lost soul comes home. Every time someone puts their faith in Jesus, God rejoices. And I want to direct your attention to a text that you might have heard about before. Luke 15, verse 10, a little bit later in the book. Jesus says, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels every time a sinner repents. Now, how we usually interpret that is, hey, the angels are rejoicing that a sinner has come home. And you know, that's not, that's not inaccurate because I do believe the angels are rejoicing. That's not what the verse said. Did you catch it? There's rejoicing before the angels. That's God. Who leads and is Lord over and controls everything that goes on in heaven and on earth? It's God. He rejoices every time. Not just, you know, every hundred Hey, we hit another landmark. <laughs> hey, you know, we got another block in heaven now, you know, kind of design. This is cool. 
every single one. He'll leave the 99 to find the one sheep. He say, I don't know, Josh, it seems like a bit of a stretch. Because, I mean, it doesn't explicitly say God rejoices. Then how do you explain, later in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son? The son runs away, wastes his inheritance, spits in his father's face, essentially, and says, oh, nothing to do with you. I kind of wish you were dead. I'd rather have my inheritance than a relationship with you. Wastes everything, wrecks his life. Then decides, I'm going to go back home and just try to be a servant. I'm going to, I'm going to ask my dad to forgive me. I'm going to come home, but I don't deserve to be your son anymore. I'm, just, I'm going to try to be a, just a servant in the household. So I got food on the table, and, and I'll be taken care of. Before he can even get home, before he can even get his apology out, his father runs to him, rejoicing, hugging his son, who was lost and run away, and now he's come home. And what do they do? They celebrate. They kill the cow, they throw the steaks on the grill, right? They got the balloons and streamers going, and the servants are rejoicing too. But who rejoices first? It's the father. It's the master of the house. And I think it's no coincidence that comes right on the heels of Jesus saying, there is rejoicing before the angels in heaven. God rejoices. Because how do you put a price on a human soul? To spend eternity apart from the loving gracious presence of God and is judged and punished forever in the lake of fire. It's worth giving up just about anything to change someone's destiny. So they don't have to experience that. Thank God I don't have to experience that. But it's not because of me. It's because of the grace of Jesus, because of the joy of Jesus. So our priority is people as a church. It's not numbers. It's not finances. It's not, uh, you know, having this excellent production up here, although thank you so much, worship team. What a joy it was to worship with you today. You're practicing hard. You're doing a great job. It's a joy to worship with you, and I know the people are going to come, but it's because people are the priority, not programs, people, and you all have an opportunity right here in this community where God's put you to make an eternal impact on your coworkers, on your neighbors, on your family members. You can lead these people to Jesus, in other words, to save a human soul. I don't save a soul, but I can fish for them, and I can help point them to Jesus, and that's enough for me. Because what a gift that is. There was a time where I was serving down with some missionaries in Panama. We'd go there on short-term mission trips, our church from North Carolina, and we, we developed a close relationship with these missionaries. They went all over. They went into, the, into the, the National Reserve in Panama. They're visiting uh, village people that you could only get to by canoe. They live up on the cliffside there, the Embera Drua people. And we go village to village. We share the gospel. and We do a, a program for them to try to explain who Jesus is. And we'd hang out with the people afterwards. We don't speak Spanish. You know, they don't speak English. But, but the, the missionaries would kind of translate and help bring things together, and they love those people, and we go to the playgrounds and in the, in the urban jungle of Panama City. <coughs> Kids who, you know, their friends are getting shot, killed um, by drug dealers in the streets. This is their life. This, this is all they know. For someone to come in and love them and show them Jesus day after day after day. And each year we'd go down, they'd give us a, a T-shirt, you know, we'd give $10 towards the mission. They'd give us a T-shirt to remind us to pray and, and, and care for these people back in Panama. And one shirt that I have, I still have with me. It's a blue shirt. It's got the shape of a fish on the front. 
and it's got this slogan on it. It says, until the nets are full. The mission continues, until the nets are full. Is that how we look at our life? We're here for a purpose. It's not about me. It's not about working towards my 401k and, and retiring and taking it easy. Even my job is redeeming. Even my job is life-giving because I can show the love of Jesus there to those souls that God cares about just as much as mine. And we love and we care and we fish and we fish some more. And if they don't come, that's okay. We fish on the other side of the boat. Don't get frustrated because you witness to somebody 10 times and they still don't come to Jesus. Hey, throw your net on the other side. The Lord of the deep will take care of who responds to the gospel. We are called just to be doers and sharers of the word. Let Jesus shoulder the burden of who actually comes to faith in Jesus. And if fishing is not your thing, you don't kind of understand that terminology, I'm going to give you a couple ways to look at it, okay? This is, what, this is what it could look like, fishing for men. It's simple. First of all, you have to be intentional. No, nobody went fishing unless they took the time to get their, their pole in their tackle box and they drove to the water's edge. So where are their souls in need of Jesus? You're intentional about going. You're intentional about spending time with them and caring for them. Maybe it starts with, with a cup of coffee. Okay? Let that line down. Love them. Build a relationship with them. Maybe next is have them over for dinner. Go out and get, get dinner with them or Sunday lunch. And then as they kind of warm up and, and give permission and, and you show them, I'm invested in you. I care about you. God loves you. Let me share some good news with you about what God did in my life. Fishing. Another approach is like a fishing net. This could be a group of people. Like uh, Miss Dina, she, she leads these kids' dance classes, loves on those kids. Okay? There's a whole net of kids, and every single one of them matters to God. Every time we get together, you've got an opportunity to share the love of God. Or serving in children's ministry, or in the nursery, or, or an after-school club, or maybe there's an opportunity for a, a Bible study group at your place of work, or with some of your neighbors. When we go, we make disciples that might involve several people. And we're, we're throwing out that net and we're inviting people to come in. And as you come to faith in Jesus, and as you grow in your faith, you should be able to learn how to teach other people to fish as well. Because that's what Peter needed to do. Before he could go out and plant churches and preach the gospel and lead people to Jesus, he had to first be a follower of Jesus and learn, how do I reach human souls? So for three years, he followed Jesus. Do you have anybody that you're pouring into to show them how to fish, how to care for souls? And if you're not at that point yet, or even if you are, we all need to grow. We all need to learn. We have resources. We want to help you. We'll even, we'll even take you aside one-on-one -on -one and disciple you and show you, here's how you share the gospel. Here's, here's what this book of the Bible means. And, and here's some key verses to understand when, when people throw out questions like, how do we know God is good? And why are there disasters in the world? Why, is that, why are there hurricanes? Is Jesus really in control? Hey, we help each other. That's what the church is for. We help each other reach people and answer the questions that they're asking because they're important. And we don't want there to be any obstacles to the gospel. 
I want to invite you all to come on Thursday in small group. We're going to make sure we understand what is the gospel and then how can you share it with your neighbor.